I've seen enough, whether he plays in Arizona or not. Najee Thompson has to make this 53-man roster. Let me break it down on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three. You like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is Sirius XM, uh, YouTube, if you're into a video version, or even Amazon Fire and Roku, if you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And a special shout out to those of you who listen to this show every single day. Make it your hashtag first listen. My everyday or shout out uh, if you have a place to. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today is Twitter Tuesday, which means I'm answering your questions as submitted to me on either Twitter uh, at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings on the Google form, which you can find in the show notes. If you've got something longer, you can send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the first question I am going to answer comes from Shadow, who asks Najee Thompson to make the roster. Who is your sleeper pick to make the 53? My, my sleeper pick is Najee Thompson, although I don't know if it's even much of a sleeper anymore. He, the cat's out of the bag on special teams. In particular, as a punt gunner, Najee Thompson has had, a, had an outsized impact on every single punt that he has gunned. You might remember four Najee Thompson plays. Guess how many punts he has played on? <laughs> it's four. Uh, unfortunately, he suffered a concussion in the Tennessee game, might not play in the Arizona game. Frankly, I don't think he has to to prove that he has earned that job. Um, here's the deal. Nobody on the team is remotely as good at that job as he is. And I know he doesn't play corner. I don't think it matters. I think he's well above the threshold of special teams play required to be that kind of 53rd guy. Uh, because any other corners you're keeping over him, you know, Joe Williams, Andrew Booth, these guys aren't getting in unless we have like a slew of injuries, enough injuries to where we honestly start trolling the waiver wire anyways. So instead of having a guy that doesn't play special teams and also will never get in from scrimmage, let's get a guy that maybe won't get in from scrimmage, but will not only play on special teams, but have an outsized impact on them. I don't think it's much more simple than he's the best guy at the job, and so he is going to get the job. And all these other guys, these Nick Muses and Luigi Valans and, and Brandon Powell or Jalen Rager, all these other guys are backups that might not even be active on game day. Najee Thompson will dress, and I think that makes him more important than all those guys. Speaking of that, mini football bum asks, do the gunners know roughly where the punter is trying to place the ball, or is Thompson just that aware of how the ball is traveling? Um, basically, yes, there is a loose strategy for this. It's, you know, we're going to the left, we're going to the right, right? And you kind of have to tr trust your punter to hit it properly. So you are picking ahead of time. We're, we'll go to the left, we'll go to the right. Uh, as I guess that's like the play call, right? You even see that in like Madden, if you do this bother with the special teams in Madden. Um, that said, you the, the punter might not hit it right. You know, it's, hey, this is supposed to be toward the left corner, but it might go straight down the field. So there is still some level of awareness and adjustment that the punt gunners have to deal with 
where they have to sort of relate to the returner instead of just relating to where the punt is is intended to go. They have to go find the guy, which can make it hard to down some punts sometimes. Um, and, and it's what makes that punt down that Najee Thompson got in the Seattle game super, super impressive because he did relate to the returner and actually managed to get there, get out of that position, and then still find the ball before it crossed over the goal line. It was pretty cool. Next one comes from Swede Skull, who asks, Scenario, trade a second-round pick for Jonathan Taylor and sign him to a new contract, choosing to build around a future of big contracts on offense, including JJ, TJ, and Darisaw, or trade a second-round pick to move up in the draft for the fourth, quote-unquote, best QB prospect in the 2024 NFL draft. Um, This is the wrong time to ask this question, I guess. It depends on how I feel about those quarterbacks. There have been years where I've felt, yeah, there's four good quarterbacks. I'll take number four and and make that my franchise guy. But I need to feel confident that there are four franchise quarterbacks. If there are, I'm going to take that option over most options. Um, But I also guess this is a decent time to bring up the idea of trading for Jonathan Taylor right now and the merits of that. So over in Indianapolis, uh, you may have heard things with their running back, Jonathan Taylor, have totally deteriorated. Uh, He's up for a new contract extension, and those negotiations went sour quick. And I don't think it was just that there was so much distance between the parties that he couldn't find the deal he wanted and he wants to go find the deal elsewhere. We had a lot of discussion about running back contracts that was mostly centered around franchise tag guys like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, uh, Tony Pollard. But Jim Ursay decided to chime in on that stuff on Twitter, owner of the Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's agent did not take kindly to his comments, which were amounted to basically, you know, be grateful you play a game for a living and, you know, we'll pay you what, what you get paid. Uh, you know, it was very, had a very, like the youths are too entitled kind of vibe, but I, you don't need the details. You can listen to locked on Colts for all that. Long story short, Jonathan Taylor has, uh, requested and been granted permission to seek a trade. So now he and his agent are going to go around talking to whatever teams want to talk to him and say, Hey, what contract would you give me? And if I like that contract, why don't you go, uh, call up the Colts and see if they'll trade. Now, I don't think he will cost a second-round pick at all. I think that would be a pretty rough overpay. Um, but the Jonathan Taylor on the last year of his deal, subject to a franchise tag, although I don't know how that would go over, uh, and ultimately probably going to get traded to a team that then extends him, that reads mid-round pickish to me. Uh, and I think... Honestly, that that would be worth it. I I don't love the Vikings running back room Um, as much as Madison improved last year and he's kind of far and away the best back. And I don't mind the depth that that Ty Chandler represents. Uh, I think a juiced up addition like Jonathan Taylor could really take that over the top. And I think a mid round pick, even for a one year rental of Jonathan Taylor, uh, I, I would I would take it. Um. But it depends, right? Second round pick in a you know a fifteen million dollar deal or whatever. Yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. But I don't think that's what actually is on on the table, anyways. Uh, Five AM tweeter asks: Is there a salary cap advantage to cutting high draft picks as early as their rookie year, assuming that the team is right in their post draft assessment that the player is bad, but a high draft pedigree means they're likely to be selected through waivers that could offset rookie money? Um, yeah, okay, so you're right about that. So if you cut, let's say the Vikings were to release um, Makai Blackman, right? Third round pick doesn't make the team. I think I've only 
ever heard of that happening like one time, third round pick not making the team in his first year, but let's say it happens. Um, the guarantees that the Vikings owe him, I believe in most rookie contracts have what's called offset language, which means, well, hey, if he's picked up on waivers, the other team just resumes that contract, right? But let, even if he isn't, I believe that there are ways for that player to get those same guarantees paid to him so long as the contract that he signs with his new team is, you know, has enough money in it to to honor those guarantees. Um, and then whatever the difference is, the Vikings still have to make up. So he gets his money one way or another, and it's just a matter of who agrees to pay it. Um, that is ultimately because rookie contracts are so efficient, a drop in the bucket. If you're cutting a third round pick, it's because that guy is so stinky, but that <laughs> nobody's going to want him anyways. Um, and I, I'll say this as well with rookies. Hey, sometimes guys struggle in their first or second year and then kind of come along. Blake Brandell, who we're all very happy with as a swing backup. He got cut his first year. Um, Adam Thielen got cut his first year, right? Sometimes guys just need a while to come along. So it's 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 less about like this sunk cost fallacy, this draft pedigree giving you like a sense of of football roster making privilege. It's more that, you know, if you look at a guy like Andrew Booth who's struggling, but hey, we see we saw something in him. We knew he would be raw. We didn't expect him to be really, really good right away. And injuries also are a part of that um, discussion, both a reason for his development being slower, but also a risk factor that we uh, kind of bought into. Either way, with Booth, it is kind of would be kind of weird to pick up a raw player and then when he plays poorly because he's raw, you go, ah, this guy stinks and cut him, right? Like it's a, there's a developmental plan. There's got to be a plan here. And if he falls so far behind that plan that you go, okay, this is never going to work out, then then you cut him that. I know that's not necessarily what you were saying. I kind of got off track there, but th that's where we're at. I'm going to keep perusing all of these questions in a little bit, but not before I talk to you about game time. So uh, my dad and I are going to be taking a trip to Vegas this year to watch the Vikings Raiders game. Should be really fun. And we've got a group of five people with us. And even though it's August, and I think that game's in like December, we had a pretty tough time finding five tickets next to each other. It was kind of stressful. It felt like suddenly we were in a hurry because if we do find a group, we want to get them before they're all snapped up. Um, and we're like so far in advance that we have to you know, plan these trips out. It kind of sucks. It's stressful. And it shouldn't be that stressful to go find tickets to a game or an event or whatever. That is where game time comes in. They have their flash deals and easy to find tickets for every kind of event, whether it's a sporting event, basketball, baseball, whatever, music, comedy, theater, and they've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. That, that game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And you can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know you're not stuck behind a pillar, and they're sent directly to your phone. So you're not trying to scroll through an email or whatever. It's already all set up. You're not bumbling around with your phone while you're trying to get through the door. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use Lockdown NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Moving right along with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Uh, if you want to learn more about, say, Najee Thompson, you can go to patreon.com slash NFL, where I did a, a Najee Thompson punt, gun, and breakdown. And I actually put that one up free for everybody to watch. So you can come right in and watch it. You don't even have to join. But I would appreciate it if you did. And most of the time, you'll get uh, early access, which means you'll be able to watch the videos as they come out instead of having to wait until after the next game. Uh, David Whitting asks, David Whiting, sorry, says, uh, how has Jaqueline Royce camp been? He didn't suit up for the Titans game. Does this mean he's already got his spot on the depth chart or has he been out with an injury? He's been out with an injury. Um, I do think, I mean, he's been running pretty consistently with the second team, so I do think he's made his way onto the roster. Um, I would love to see him do more versus the Cardinals, and I do believe he is back now as of Monday's practice. Uh, Ruben Frost asks, do you think there's a situation where both pace and awesome want to start, or is that too light, uh, a too light of an, uh, linebacker core for Flores with Belichick schemes often valuing big boys at linebacker. Um, so I've explained this a couple other times on the show, but I'll, I'll say it again. There are different jobs for linebackers and there's not just two. That's what I'm kind of learning about Flores's defense, even though it is a, a, a three, four and you know, I'm, we're talking only inside linebackers, uh, that usually means that there's two and it would be, you know, Hicks and Asamoah. But there's also, you know, nickel package linebacker, nickel package will linebacker. That is, or nickel package white, uh, Mike linebacker, Mac linebacker is what they call it. Um, those sort of rotational roles can change, you know, on third and long, you don't want Jordan Hicks on the field on third and short. Yeah. You might want to be for your guy like Hicks on the field and having access to all of those tools. Again, more tools in the bag, more options can help you be more efficient on the whole, even if those guys can't all be on the field all at the same time. That's okay. Um, so yeah, I think there is a situation where Pace, Pace and Asamoah are the linebackers, and that situation is passing downs. Dime packages, nickel packages, or well, not dime, because there's only one linebacker on dime most of the time. Uh, but, you know, four wide, three wide, speedy teams, that kind of thing. Get Quacken asks, what is your over-under on pace sacks? So I was looking this up because I was like, what's a good number of sacks for a linebacker? And I, I thought of uh, Anthony Barr 2015, right? That was like a Pro Bowl season, phenomenal season for Anthony Barr. And he got four sacks in that one. Now, four sacks. So, so I'll say that's the gold standard is four sacks. You had a phenomenal year. So I'll put the over-under at one and a half. I think if he gets two sacks on a blitz, that's that's killing it for a linebacker. He gets three that's phenomenal. If he gets four, we're talking about, you know, a, a, a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, so one and a half feels like a responsible over under. And for my money, I'm taking that over. Old Norse asks, is the KOC slash Phillips offense innovative in any particular way? Or do we just have JJ so mundane things work pretty well? I mean, I guess it depends on your idea of mundane. Here's the thing. Here's the secret uh, in NFL offenses. Nobody's original. Nothing. McVeigh, not original. Kyle Shanahan, taking stuff from Alex, Alex Gibbs in the 90s and just maybe adding a little bit of extra sauce to it. That's kind of it. Nothing is original. Everything is copied. Everything old is new again. Uh, one of the great stories of innovation in recent NFL history, and I'm using recent fairly loosely. If you remember the Tony Sperano Wildcat year, that 2008 Dolphins team, they got that from tape in the 40s 
everything old is new again. <laughs> Nobody comes up with new ideas. They just steal old stuff and realize what'll work, and they come up with interesting ways to get to those ideas. So, no, I think in the sense that you're asking, no, they're not making up anything new or anything like that, but nobody is. What O'Connell does that I think worked really well last year, uh, in the passing game at least, was having a lot of different ways to get to his core concepts. The illusion of complexity, a very McVeigh slogan. You'll hear O'Connell talk about it all the time. Quasi will talk about it all the time. McVeigh will talk about it all the time. Um, but the idea of, you know, hey, we're going to run a whole bunch of play action keeper flood. So roll out bootleg flood. Very staple play, and it has been for basically the whole time Kirk Cousins has been in Minnesota. Um, but there's a whole bunch of different formations to run that out of and motions to do beforehand and all this other stuff. Uh, and I think the way that it uses spacing is just really, really efficient. And I think you get more interesting in, uh, insights if you look at the way O'Connell sequences from one play to the next, if you look at each individual play, the situation, what those plays are supposed to do, rather than saying, oh, this is this you know really super new, innovative thing that defenses just don't know how to deal with yet. The Vikings uh, are, are running an offense that 20 maybe 25 teams in the league are running now. It is everywhere. Uh, and it is everywhere for a reason because it's really, really efficient. Those 25 teams are not the worst 25 offenses in the league. Uh, you know, they're, they're some of the best off. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, right? The Eagles do this. Uh, the chiefs do, I guess a strange, their own kind of strange version of this. Three out of four teams in the NFC North are running this stuff on offense. Uh, the the Vikings and Packers on offense, I bet their playbook is is eighty five percent identical. Um, and the Bears are doing their version of that. It's it's the Lions are kind of out in their own world doing their own thing, which they're very proud of, and I guess that's fair. Uh, having Justin Jefferson helps a lot of that stuff, but really it determines other decisions for you. Hey, you know where where should we put? our best player on this particular play, you know, where should Jefferson go on this particular play is sort of, well, the first read is the slot. So let's put him in the slot. So you're making those kind of decisions based on Justin Jefferson, but I think you're driving at something a little bit more judgmental on, uh, you know, evaluative, I guess on Kevin O'Connell as well. You know, is he a good play caller or does he just have JJ? Um, look, he's running an offense that works that everybody's using and is a classic for a reason, you know? Uh, it's like saying, Hey, is that chef really good? Or did he just make pizza? It's like, man, everybody likes pizza. And why would you want him not to, <laughs> uh, I want to make sure I get to more of these questions. So, uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling before we do that though. It is fantasy season. It's draft season. If you haven't done your fantasy draft, our partners at eBay motors are, have teamed up with locked on fantasy football and their host, uh, Vinny Iyer to help you out. Uh, so with draft prep well underway for the upcoming season, uh, let's talk about some players who will spark their new team's offense. And in particular, let's talk about DJ Moore. DJ Moore, I mean, look, he's not going to be the volume maven that some of the higher round picks are going to be. But think about it. If you have, maybe you took a quarterback early, took Mahomes early, his 2QB league or Superflex or something, and maybe, you know, you took... Uh, one of the premier running back, couple of the premier running backs, and you're looking for a good wide receiver one to sort of carry the load on, you know, rounds five, six, maybe DJ Moore would be available. Maybe that's way too late for him. I don't, I'm not really good at fantasy, but that's what Vinny Iyer's here for. 
Um, DJ Moore will be the undisputed number one in Chicago. And they want to pass more than they did last year. So there is this sort of volume upside to him that can make him a very exciting pick because of that new team. Uh, eBay Motors understands that a championship team is all about that perfect fit. And it's the same with your vehicle. They have over 122 million parts and accessories at eBay Motors available for your vehicle. And navigating all of that can be a total nightmare if you don't know what you're looking for and what your car specifically needs. So eBay Motors has that green check that tells you this is what all of that is for. This one matches your car, and you don't have to worry about it, whether it is an air filter, brake battery, taillight, alternator, all kinds of other parts and accessories. Just look for that green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Chugging right along on this Locked on Vikings episode of uh, Twitter Tuesday. The next question I'm going to answer comes from Informe Purpura, who asks, what is the plan for Jordan Ta'amu? Um, I, I hate to disappoint. I don't think it's particularly extensive. Here's what I think is happening. This is my best guess. I don't think Nick Mullins is going to play much, if at all, uh, against Arizona. I think that job has been won. He's done it. Even though I didn't particularly love his game against Tennessee, it was another instance of turning on the tape and realizing it wasn't as bad as it looked on TV. Uh, I think his receivers let him down a good bit. Uh, and I think that he has pretty handily outplayed Jaron Hall. I don't think that battle is is very close, if not already decided. Uh, so I think Jaron Hall is going to get a lot of reps. Kevin O'Connell said Jaron Hall is going to get a lot of reps. So he might play the whole game, or maybe they want somebody else to come in and, you know, clean up the last fourth quarter. That might be what Tamu is for. Or if they want Jaron Hall to play the whole game, which, hey, you've got a rookie that's developing that needs some work. That seems like a great idea to me. Uh, you're not going to want him to do the handoff drills in practice. So when they're doing run game drills, you might want to just bring in a quarterback that knows how to do the handoff part of it. Now, hey, look, I've seen an assistant coach do that stuff, so it's not a huge deal. But hey, you also get a look at him. You get him in, in to, to throw a little bit. It's like a, a, a really big glorified workout before you end up cutting him, but he's on speed dial in case you need an, emer an emergency quarterback. That's probably what I think this is. I don't think that there is a grandmaster plan to develop him into the next franchise quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, as cool as I think he is in the spring leagues. Uh, I think there's a consistency issue and a reason that he didn't catch on in the big one. Um, but hey, I'm pretty stoked on uh, just the, the idea of him being in the building and in the organization. It's not the first time he's been in the organization, if I recall. I think he did a workout before. So they like him. Uh, and maybe there is a day where he's, you know, somewhere on our depth chart. But I think right now it's more of a utility thing than it is like, a ooh, look at this potential, you know, XFL guy that was the offensive player of the year. Let's see if he can be our starter someday. I don't think I think that's more of a fantasy. Bad dad joke asks with tongue planted firmly in cheek. If you had to pick one player to represent what you absolutely love and hate about this franchise, who would it be? Uh, and I think he means the same player. That represents both what you love and hate about the franchise. It's Randy Moss. Uh, I love the history and the dynamic people that have come through this franchise. I, I Randy Moss was electrifying on the field, electrifying off the field, a very, very interesting person to study and learn about. And 
broke the the position of wide receiver wide open. And I love that he gets to be a part of the Vikings legacy. But I also hate that it that he represents so much of a what could have been. What if he was around in 2009, you know, uh, doing what he was doing on the Patriots, but with us, or even 2008? What if, you know, he hadn't had a falling out with Red McCombs? What if all that stupid other drama didn't happen? And, and for me, a Vikings game always feels like, well, gosh, if this, this, and that didn't happen, maybe they would have done it. You know, maybe that would have been the time. And I hate that about the Vikings. And I feel like Randy Moss really encapsulates it. Speaking of Moss, Waz asks, uh, big friend from London, thank you very much. Given we've not retired Moss's 84, do you think if we win a Super Bowl while Kirk is still QB, that eight should be retired? Is he locked for the Ring of Honor? Uh, and if he wins a ring, I guess the NFL Hall of Fame comes into question as well. Okay, so here's the deal. If Kirk Cousins gets a ring, my personal opinion will be do whatever you want about that. Uh, if you want him in the Ring of Honor, I'm game. You want to retire number eight? Sure thing. Statue outside the stadium? Don't care. He got a ring. He can have literally whatever he wants. <laughs> that's that's my opinion on that. You you be the guy. Like, if I were an Eagles fan, yeah, I would have a shrine to Nick Foles. I don't care that he was a backup and that he only really kind of played those couple games. It wasn't really part of the whole legacy of that, that team until the very end. Nobody cares. Ask any Eagles fan. They look at you like your head is screwed on backwards if you started asking that kind of question. So yeah, sure, do whatever you want. Here's what I will say, though. I think they're done retiring numbers. I think they've retired enough numbers and they're going to start running out if they retire more. Um, with Moss, I, I kind of get it. Like uh, I've sort of stopped caring about the number being retired, especially because Moss himself has said he thinks it's really cool that players come in and decide they want to be 84 and represent the 84 and be a baller like 84 has to be. Like He loves it. So... That kind of makes me think, all right, then I'm fine with it not happening because it like doesn't bug him. Um, but they could retire 28. I don't know if they would do that for Adrian Peterson or Ahmad Rashad, right? Like the, you've you've got that kind of stuff. Uh, but hey, if if a Super Bowl ring gets won, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the the rules change. Gary Melbrick asks, any chance they use Jaron Hall like the Saints use Taysom Hill? Uh, no, he's not built to do that. Taysom Hill is an incredibly big and physical player. Uh, the reason they use him like that way is because he is so versatile, not just because he's a quarterback that's kind of fast. Uh, Brian London asks, would a player such as Paul Krause, all coverage and no run support, make an NFL roster today? Make a roster? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think he would be the kind of player that, like he would get a whole bunch of interceptions in the preseason. But what I what I think what could happen to a guy like Paul Krause, who is a little undersized as a safety and wasn't as physical in the run fits and stuff as you would as, as you know, autogram famously didn't like that about him. Um, I kind of feel like his draft stock would would slip like he would go up out for the draft. He would go in like the fourth round or something like that, or maybe even not get drafted at all. Ah, he's such an undersized safety. You get the Anthony Harris treatment. But then once he got into a camp, you know, a lot more shines through the eye in the sky. Don't lie. Right. Uh, but also it's, it's tough with these era adjusted things because players back then just were not the athletes that player are players are now. If you had Paul Krause in his prime when he was coming out of college, go do an NFL combine. He like probably wouldn't score nearly as good of a, of an RAS, uh, if you don't like era adjust it. So all of these questions about, you know, Hey, what about these guys from the seventies? If you transported them to now, like they're not necessarily the same caliber, a guy that we're used to. And that's just because of how the league has grown in ways that I'm uh, not going to go into depth on, 
<laughs> Let's wrap this out with one from Easy Cheese Wizard, who asks, knowing that you took inspiration from John Boyce with your Vikings doc, how are you enjoying John's presentation of Vikings history so far? Boy, do I have an announcement for you. Uh, we're going to talk about that. John and I, uh, we, I already recorded the interview, and it's releasing tomorrow. Uh, on this very show. So I talked, I, I had John on the show and we were going to talk a little compare and contrast. His fourth episode comes out today. I believe eight central uh, is when it drops on YouTube and you can be there and actually live chat with, with the secret base guys or, you know, just catch it later on YouTube. If you want, you can of course watch my entire documentary on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NFL. You don't have to sign up or anything. It's all totally free to watch. Although of course I would appreciate it. Um, so we talked a lot about exactly that, uh, how our approaches were different, how I'm a fan of the Vikings and he is not a fan of the Vikings. He's just an endeared outsider is kind of what I call them. Uh, and we had a really, really cool conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. Um, but to answer your question, how do I like it? I love it. It's awesome. Uh, I wanted that to exist. That's why I made one of my own. Cause I wanted there to be a documentary like that on the Vikings and, now there's one exactly like I wanted there to be instead of one that's like what I was inspired to do, but ultimately was my voice. Uh, it's really cool to see that coming. The The thing in the third episode, there is a, a really cool bomb. I'm not going to spoil it. There's a really cool bombshell in the third episode of, of John's documentary about the Drew Pearson push off game uh, and, and that play in particular that I can't believe nobody has griped about before. I honestly cannot believe that I feel like nobody noticed. And that's just wild to me. But hey, there's there's enough legendary moments in sports where there's going to be some weird stuff about them. Uh, I will see you guys all tomorrow for with that conversation. Super, super stoked to share it with you. Maybe some uh, insights from the offensive half of the tape as well. I owe that to you guys. So a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe this week. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.